Navadvip. Navadvip was an extraordinary place because in Navadvip, on the bank of the Ganga, so many Brahmanas would assemble everywhere in Navadvip. Everywhere in Navadvip. There were so many people, and all of them, all of them were studying or teaching because learning, learning was everything in Navadvip. When a mother was looking for a husband for her daughter, she was looking not for a rich man, she was looking for one who was learned. Learning, learning was just the jewel of Navadvip. Everyone was absorbed. Everyone was absorbed in study and learning. There, in that place, uh, Nimai Pandit. Nimai Pandit was the most learned scholar. Uh, he would defeat everyone in debate, and then, after he had thoroughly defeated everyone's arguments, then he would defeat his own arguments. In this way, humiliating everyone again and again. Murari! Ah. So, have you studied? Yes, yes, yes. And daily, a debate would unfold, and every day, Nimai would trash Murari and said, go back to your books. And Murari would go back to his books and come again the next day, only to be smashed again, day after day. One day, Srivastakur said, why are you wasting your time with all this logic, this nyaya, this wrangling? If only you would have taken up the path of bhakti. For once, Nimai didn't say a word. He just took it. Not so long after, a sannyasi, Iswarapuri visited Navadvip <coughs> and he stayed in Nimai's home. And Nimai served him like he had never served anyone before. Then the sannyasi had written some work in Sanskrit and he asked Nimai as a Sanskrit editor to have a look at it if there were any mistakes. Then Nimai pointed out a mistake. Uh, and then Iswarapuri proved to him that no, it was not a mistake. And, and Nimai accepted defeat. Signs were there. When Nimai went to Gaya and he just uh, took initiation from that same Iswarapuri. After that, he came back a transformed personality. Um, it is said then, when at that time, when he resumed his teaching upon returning to Navadvip, somehow or other he was explaining the roots of every Sanskrit word. And the way he explained it was that every word, the root of every word is Krishna. Every was only talking about Krishna. Any word, he would explain it, and somehow or other analyze it and point out that actually this, this means Krishna, this word. Uh, 
And in this way, uh, he was teaching for days. Everyone was amazed because no one could argue. But at the same time, they thought that maybe it wasn't practical. <laughs> yes. It wasn't practical for mundane learning. But this is indeed the purpose of learning. Uh, to simply learn about Krishna. What else is there? What else is there to learn? Everything else is just dead weight. Dead weight that will bind us. Everything else are described like the chains of material existence uh, that bind us. Everything else we learn. So many studies are going on. Yes, this school, that school, this college, that college, this university, that university, like, I mean, Oxford, Cambridge, like, I mean, Harvard. Yes, we are. It's just like great seats of learning. Indeed, indeed, indeed. But how much of that learning is actually liberating the soul? How much of that learning is actually elevating us and how much of this learning is actually bringing us to yeah, the true meaning of life and to fulfilling that true meaning of life. What else is there to learn? Oh, oh gosh, I remember school. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> oh. I had to do the topography of Russia of the whole Soviet Union, actually, the whole thing, the whole Soviet Union, the whole, it was a big map, you know, I go, God, do I have to learn all these places and all with funny names and so on, like, one in particular was, was too much for me, at that time it was still in the Soviet Union, and that was Petrovsk. and I go, this is ridiculous, <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous, you know, <laughs> this is too much, I mean, you know, I mean, for a Dutchman, you know, yep. <laughs> you have to put, squeeze the nose. <laughs> anyway, God, it took forever to get that. Anyway, so finally what I did is I drew the map of Russia <clears throat> on a wooden wall in the top of the house and I threw darts on it. <clears throat> so, you know, somehow or other the dart never hit Petrovsk. <laughs> Moscow was easy, okay, I hit it every time. But Yevo Petrovsk, my guy, it was hard. But anyway, I turned it into a game and tried to learn the map of Russia. And I said to myself, one play, why am I have to learn this? I'll definitely never go to Yevo Petrovsk. <laughs> then years later, you know, years later, when I was a sannyasi, these devotees came to me, a whole group of them, and they begged me, Please come to Nepopetrovsk. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I don't know what I have with Nepopetrovsk, but, uh, but definitely there is some ras. <clears throat> it might, it might be Bibatsa, the ghastly one. Oh gosh! Anyway, <clears throat> one second. The voice is finished from too much Harinam in central London. <clears throat> Um, yes, so I was thinking, so many things I'm supposed to learn, yeah? and what's the use of this? Uh, 
I, I learned about Oliver Cromwell. You know, I think, what have I got to do with Oliver Cromwell? You know, I mean, do I want to know? Not really. And so on and so on. Yes, so many things I learned that even before I learned them, I wanted to forget. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, so how nice, how nice is it to study Krishna consciousness? And how nice is it to study Krishna consciousness with someone who's gone deep? Because immediately, right, immediately, that person will lead us to the treasures. Srila Krishnadas Kaviras Goswami speaks about mining the jewels from the scriptures, from the minds of the scriptures. So, but, you know, if you don't know your way around uh, mines, it can be a bit, uh, a bit difficult. But if you go with someone who really knows exactly what's going on there and who knows where the jewels are, then, uh, then we go very quickly and also deeper and just with a better understanding of what we're doing. So in this way, traditionally, uh, traditionally, one should sit at the feet of uh, Upanishad. Upanishad means to sit at the feet of, um, sit nearby at the feet of. We see in Srimad Bhagavatam, we see that there are the, uh, <clears throat> in the book, there's the end pages, right? If you open it up and then you see Maharaj Pariksit, um, and you see Sukadev Goswami, and you see all the sages on the bank of the Ganga. And how nice is that? Huh? Simply uncomplicated, pure, transcendental sound. Mm. Ah, we just think, imagine we would be there. Um, imagine we would be there on the bank of the Ganga and hearing that. The most wonderful thing is, is that very thing Srila Prabhupada gave us, completely unadulterated and completely without any change, exactly like that. He gave us that same, that very same thing. Mm. This is so nice because it is knowledge that one can fully trust. Hmm? What knowledge can you trust? <clears throat> That's one thing I definitely considered in the educational system that I was brought up in. I mean, many times I thought, what this teacher is saying here is rubbish. <laughs> Did you also think like that? <laughs> many times I was convinced. Sorry to say, you know, I don't want to be offensive, but I knew it was rubbish. Yes. Hmm. Yes. But when Prabhupada speaks, we know everything is true, everything is fully potent, everything is presented without any false ego, without any false pride, and everything is presented for the ultimate good of all. That we can be totally sure of. Therefore, the study of this knowledge is a um, is not a luxury. Um, mm, 
practicing devotional service is is to some extent a struggle. This morning, <clears throat> I gave the example to a few devotees in uh, in Soho Street, where the temple room is very small, uh, that sometimes we dream, and when we dream, it's it's an intense dream. You know, uh, let's say it's one of those dreams where they're chasing you, and you have to get away. And the whole night, you're busy getting away, you know? And then, like, okay. Then, when you wake up, right, you're afraid to go back to sleep because you know it will start again. <laughs> yeah? One of those dreams. Anyway, when you finally give up sleeping and you really wake up, then even if you wake up, you still feel that they're coming. You still look over your shoulder, you know, am I okay? Right? It's like, somehow or other, the effect of the dream is even there in our waking state. We still respond to it, although we're awake. That's our current condition. Although we are in devotional service, the influence of Maya is still there and we still respond to it. Although we have knowledge and we know better, we know that we should only act for the benefit of the soul and really do nothing for the body, but still, these dreams, they hound us, right? Then we just, yeah, sometimes, huh, sit down and just go off in dreamland again. Um, and, and in this way, um, our focus is weak. Uh, it's weak. Yeah. Mm. So how important is it to, to really get more transcendental knowledge? Yes. How important it is. So this evening, is in the, the theme of the evening is education, huh? because it is an evening hosted by the School of Bhakti. The way I see the School of Bhakti as it exists, I see it as a humble beginning. I mentioned in the beginning. I see it as a humble beginning, because I think that every devotee should have a relationship with this. Every devotee should have a relationship with systematic education. Right. It's nowadays, everyone is supposed to have a Bhakti Shastri and so on. And the funny thing is that I don't have a Bhakti Shastri. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have Maharaj, but I don't have one. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, at one point, first, it was just some people did something like that. Most people didn't. Then they made it... At one point, I made it compulsory for sannyas, but I took sannyas before that. <laughs> so, so, uh, and like, you know, in our days for Brahman initiation, there was no Bhakti Shastri, so I never did it. I taught the Bhakti Shastri many times. <laughs> but I don't have the degree, never, I never did it myself, but I, I, I taught it many times. You also, Maharaj, like that? Or, <laughs> Here we go. We even, Maharaj and myself, we even talk, taught Bhakti Vaibhava also. <laughs> we didn't even have Bhakti Shastri. What to speak of Bhakti Vaibhava? Uh. <laughs> but I must say, I, I taught that 
Bhakti Shasi and Bhakti Vaibhava for 13 years in a row, and it was really nice, actually. I mean, I must say, I would every year spend four to six years, six weeks just studying and teaching scripture. I would get up at like 1.30, chant at 2, 20 rounds before Mongolarti, right? And then I would go after Mongolarti, I would just study, right? just study and then just teach and it was like just such an absorption, so nice. And I must say, 13 years of that, it really, it, it just, uh, it became part of me. It just was more than just uh, uh, an inspiration. It just became fundamental to my spiritual life. It, it became something that transformed my spiritual life. And uh, therefore, um, I guess Krishna knows me and knows that I'm not a good student, <laughs> that I'm too rebellious to be a student. So he tricked me. He said, okay, you don't have to be a student. You can be a teacher. <laughs> but the teacher has to study more than the students <laughs> because, you know, you have to be prepared for anything, right? What if they're going to ask you a question? Uh, you have to know how to answer it. So you have to research things. You have to kind of look. So actually, I think Krishna tricked me. Yeah. Although I don't have a Bhakti Shastri, I think I studied more than the students. And yeah, in, so indirectly, I got it anyway. So maybe one day, I should get an honorary Bhakti Shastri. <laughs> I, mean, I feel, and maybe a Bhakti Vaibhava as well, you know. I mean, just, just, you know, I mean, if there's anyone from the educational wings listening to this, you know, I mean, I want it on a scroll and everything. Right? <laughs> Something I can hang on my wall, you know, and frame the whole thing, right? And while we're at it, I think, Chandamoni Maharaj should also get. <laughs> We're in this together, you know. If, if one doesn't get, then, you know, the other won't accept. So you'll, you'll, have, you'll have to give both of us. Yes. Uh, but it is a fact that this study of, of the scripture is so deep. Yeah, you know, like from this Bhakti Vaibhav studies, then I did the chapter of Dhruva Maharaj, yeah, but then... Years later, I went to Dhruva Tila in Vrindavan, you know, the hill where Dhruva did his austerities in Madhuvan. And then, boy, it, it, it went really deep. And it was all that Bhakti Vaibhav that I, at least something I remembered of it, that came out. And then that made the whole experience uh, much deeper. So this is it. Uh, spiritual life is not a matter of just go on automatic pilot and just go to the morning program or just every day chant 16 rounds. Really, these books are, are really essential. Huh? Our Vaisheshika Prabhu, he is an avid reader, you know, means he reads a lot and he reads the whole Bhagavatam in a year. Huh? And I forgot the exact number, but it's some 40 something pages. Okay, he says 41. Uh, 41 pages every day. It's not so much. 41 pages. I mean, there's, there's like big 
their Sanskrit and verses and so on, you know, it's like if you, if you look at that, it's like, it's doable. 41 pages, I mean, it's not like, not impossible. Hmm? If we read 41 pages of Bhagavatam a day, we can read the whole Bhagavatam in a year. Then, if you're 40, if you're 40, <laughs> and you have another 30, 40 more years to live, then you can read the Bhagavatam 40 times. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> By the time you're 80, you're just a living Bhagavatam. <laughs> a phenomenon. A phenomenon. You're just standing on the Sunday feast, reciting whole pieces of Bhagavatam. Huh? And there are many devotees like that, like our Prahlad Nanda Maharaj. He has, in the past, studied the Krishna book so much, he can recite whole parts of the Krishna book. Huh? He read Bhagavad Gita 130 times. Bhagavad Gita 130 times he read. There you go, 130 times Bhagavad Gita. I would lose track, you know, how many times was it again? <laughs> many. <laughs> but he used to recite whole pages from the Krishna book. Um, there was a devotee in whose name I slipped my mind just now a humble disciple of Srila Prabhupada who had for many years only read Krishna book only Krishna book then he gave this Bhagavatam class and he just spoke Krishna book <laughs> and it was just so profound really and then me you know I like to look at commentaries and things like that. So I read commentaries on the 10th canto. And then as he's quoting Krishna book, it's, hey, that's from that and that commentary. Hey, that's from Sanonikas. Hey, that's from Vishwanath. That All the commentaries, a lot of points from the commentaries are actually there in the Krishna book, I found out from his lectures. I said, hey, I read that. Hey. <laughs> But not in the Krishna book. But he read everything in the Krishna book. Isn't that amazing? So simple. Mm -hmm. Simply read the Krishna book. Simply study the Krishna book. Nowadays, we have something called Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library.org. Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library.org. Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library.org. You know. And there are the audiobooks out there. And you just turn it on. I was lying knockout with COVID, couldn't count to 10, and I just had the Krishna book on a loop. It was playing the whole day. It was great. I was sort of half delirious in Vrindavan. <laughs> it, was like, yeah. <laughs> it was very nice. Yeah. And no one could come in because I was very contagious. No. I was in quarantine. So there was no pajalpa at all, right? Nothing. I did, the phone was off, and I just listened to the Krishna book. It was fabulous. Ten days. That was great. Um, ten days with the Krishna book. So I'm speaking in favor of all of us getting involved, um, getting involved in and taking advantage of the of the depth of knowledge and the depth of realization of more experienced Vaishnavas. And immediately, immediately, 
we gain so much, so much insight, so much inspiration, so much new taste. In Vrindavan, Burijan Prabhu, he invented the Vrindavan Institute for Higher Education, and it was like a revolution, because we didn't have anything like that. That was really the first uh, formal place where scriptural studies were, were going on, right? And there were so many devotees who were saying, like, my God, you know, I, it's like I joined again. <laughs> really, like, I mean, it's like I joined again. It's like I found Krishna consciousness again. Right? It's just like when I first came, everything was fresh, everything was new, everything was inspiring. And now it is as if I joined again. That same magic is back. That was long gone, just a sweet memory from the early days that are long gone. And now back, all back. So simple, so simple. So uh, this, let the manor be a place from where Krishna consciousness spreads wide and far. Let the manor be a place from where Krishna consciousness will will just emanate and touch the whole world. Why not? Of course, then the residents of the manor have to become extraordinary. Uh, we may recall that Narottam Das Thakur was a, uh, an incredible Vaishnava who was, uh, who was touched by the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who had deposited Krishna Prem in the Patma River. And when Narottam uh, took his bath in that river, that Prem touched him and it said his darkish body turned golden and he became totally ecstatic. Right? When they told his mother that her son had been transformed, she saw him and said, that's not my son. <laughs> mine is blackish. <laughs> this one's golden. No, it's not mine. Uh, no. Narottam was extraordinary. So Narottam was preaching widely and many, many great personalities were surrendering to Narottam. And Narottam, although he was from a Kayasta family, and they're considered sudras, but a wealthy family that was a zamindar family, a, a landholder's family, but nonetheless sudras, right? So, and here he becomes a guru, a guru, and he starts initiating people, initiating people. He starts initiating brahmanas, brahmanas. This sudra, this kayasta, is initiating brahmanas. Ho, 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 babri, babri, babri. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they send uh, they send some scholars, you know, to debate. Uh, but then, uh, just uh, all some scholars went with a huge assembly to debate. Uh, but then. As they came, they set up a camp as they were traveling, and there was there were some local shopkeepers just selling clay pots and some pan and so on. And when they came to the shop, the shopkeeper spoke in perfect Sanskrit. 
really, really perfect Sanskrit. You know, it's like high class Sanskrit. So it's like, wow, uh, how come you are speaking such Sanskrit? Oh, we are from the land of Narutta. There, everyone speaks Sanskrit. <laughs> Even the ordinary man speaks Sanskrit. I go, wow. So they decided to uh, to go back home <laughs> in this way. So, in the same way, let everyone in the manner uh, be very learned in this transcendental knowledge. But to just be learned, Nimai Pandit was very learned. Everyone in Navadvip was very learned before he went to Gaya. He was very learned. But that's but Srivas pointed out that is not enough. That is not enough. We have to realize this knowledge in the heart. Sanatan Goswami was very intelligent because when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed Sanatan Goswami and really instructed him in all transcendental knowledge, then Sanatan Goswami said, I have one prayer. Yes. Please bless me that all this knowledge may manifest within my heart. So, dear Bhakti school students, or school of Bhakti, it's a mouthful, huh? School of Bhakti. <laughs> okay, dear students of the school of Bhakti, of, of, uh, may all this knowledge uh, manifest within your heart. And then, may you spread the school of bhakti all over the world, everywhere. School of bhakti Sydney, school of bhakti Tokyo, <laughs> school of bhakti Africa, Africa, yes. School of baba, school of baba, baba bhakti. <laughs> school of baba bhakti. Uh, like in Africa, you can go to a town and it's called Umbabana, Umbabana. <laughs> yeah. School Babati. Something. Anyway, they'll figure it out. <laughs> I guarantee you that. The School of Bhakti in Africa. Yes, uh, let the School of Bhakti flourish. I think it's a good program. I'm all for it. So I'm so happy that you are interested in it. If you if you haven't enrolled yet, uh oh, <laughs> tonight's a recruitment night. In case you didn't notice it, yes, we are enrolling new students. Oh yes, we do. Yes, some of the courses are online, some are on site. It's like you know, for everyone something is there. Easy, easy to plug in. So please plug in, because. The systematic study of these scriptures will bring us uh, so many amazing blessings and can transform uh, can transform us and bring real life to our devotional service. Yeah. Or else would you like to add something? It would be nice. You are here. (laughs) 
Well, what Maharaj is saying is not something just to think about. It's actually Srila Prabhupada's strong desire that each and every devotee in the Krishna consciousness movement. 1976, Srila Prabhupada was with a few of his senior devotees and Krishna Goswami. Panchadavita Maharaj and others. Panchadavita Maharaj said, Prabhupada, yesterday you gave second initiation to this one devotee, but today we found out he left. Prabhupada said, now we have to really establish the philosophical basis of our movement. Therefore, we should begin with this educational program. And Srila Prabhupada very carefully mentioned and outlined in detail the four stages. Bhakti Shastra, as Maharaj mentioned, Bhakti Vaibhava, Bhakti Vedanta, and ultimately Bhakti Saraboma, which includes all of Srila Prabhupada's foremost books, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Srimad Bhagavatam, Sri Yashupanishads, Upadeshanvita, Bhakti Visanthi Sindhu. And Prabhupada said, we are, our society will not be respected or, or even appreciated if we don't have devotees who actually can speak at any time, in any situation, under any circumstance, this knowledge of transcendental devotional service. Prabhupada was very, very, very concerned and at the same time enthusiastic to start this program. So it's not something we just were beginning now, it's something that's finally starting to develop in a, in a real way. And so as Maharaj said, this school of bhakti is a, it's just beginning, but it's the foundation to really fulfill Srila Prabhupada's desire and to establish our movement as a respectable spiritual movement which has the foundation of all, all knowledge that is needed in all subjects regarding transcendental knowledge. And it's not like it's for a certain class of devotees or for certain persons who are engaged in preaching or who are engaged in teaching. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. But the thing is, when you have this knowledge, you are fixed in Krishna consciousness. That's the most important thing. You won't be deviated. Because you understand things through your intelligence, and you're fixed on that. And therefore, as Maharaj was mentioning, reading Srimad Bhagavatam continuously actually awakens that knowledge not only in a theoretical way, but in a very realized way. Read this, study it, understand it, learn how to apply it, and develop those qualities that are conducive to the, uh, the knowledge which it is bringing. That is, the qualities of a Vaishnava in the world of goodness, which are the foundation for executing devotional service. So, what Maharaj is saying is so important and it's so much needed in our society. 
And I see, and it's, and it's kind of a sad situation. Many of our devotees, like I was just giving a class the other day, I was giving initiations. And I said, let's recite the 10 offenses to the holy name as part of the initiation ceremony. And devotees didn't even know. I almost walked out. <laughs> I saw Bhakti Charubaraj become so angry. He was giving initiations in Chicago. And he asked the candidates to recite the 10 offenses. They couldn't do it. He practically stopped the initiation. How important it is to know this knowledge. Because it is life-saving. Life-saving, I mean, it keeps us connected with Krishna, with devotional service, in a very, very determined way. It's so important. So we, society has developed many programs to help bring about education on different levels. So we should take advantage of it and see it as just as important as chanting the Hare Krishna because actually this, this knowledge is non different than Krishna. When devotees to get together and hear and chant the glories of the Lord, it is Rasayana, it's sweet. It gives sweetness to the heart and to the ear. It is the nectar we are, which we are always looking for and it is establishes as fit, as solid and devotional service. You will not be deviated when you know this, this, this philosophy. So this systematic study is not optional. It is mandatory. So please take advantage of it because once you do, like Maharaj said, he used a beautiful analogy. It's like I came to Krishna consciousness again. It's an experience. I'm reliving that that sweetness, that that uh, newness that opened up my heart when I first came to Krishna consciousness. It's like that when we start going deep into this knowledge, and then and then when we hear anything else, we re reference it in connection with to what Srila Prabhupada says, and everything becomes clear. You can't become fooled by whatever else is going on. So, uh, yeah, so what Maharaj is saying is so important for the future of our movement and for the future of each and every one of us. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much, Maharaj. Thank you. <coughs> Hare Krishna. Hare Bo. Yeah, Thank you very, very much um, and for adding so many nice points and um, yeah, so um, and of course um, There are so many classes in the temple that we can hear, and that alone is already quite something. Um, just by hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, the, even the morning lectures, just that, you know, that builds up such a momentum. That's, that's quite something. Um, 
Sometimes people say, I have no time to read. So then I asked him, can, can you read one verse and one purport every day? Possible? You read one verse, one purport every day. One. Just one. And uh, can be any time in the morning before the day begins or if some days at night before you take rest. You can still do that. Right? But even if we do just that, the impact is tremendous. Right? Tremendous. What to speak when we are, are going deeper. Yeah, so this, this, this is, is, is something very, very nice. Um, so, okay, if there are a few so some questions, some comments, I'll try to respond. Yeah. And you can also ask Chandramoli Maharaj if you, if you want. So you mentioned about how like school of is in its early stages and it's only really now that we're starting to really progress the systematic study. But Pinkan Maharaj also mentioned about like the drugs and Japanese require education obviously around the world there are many different education programs within this one itself. So I just want you to kind of understand from your views like why is the school of Bhakti so important from that aspect of going global as well in the system. Of going global in this system. Yeah, I mean, I can begin. Um, well, as as you rightly say, there are many uh, efforts, you know, in terms of education. And if you look at like uh, Mayapur has a has the MI uh, Mayapur Institute and. They're developing a campus and so many things. Um, Mayapur is meant to have a university. Right? And um, uh, many other projects have their educational programs. Vindavan has, and has recently opened up a new project on the site of Goverdown. Um, but the Bhaktivedanta manner is undoubtedly a powerhouse within this movement. And uh, it's, it's meant to be that. I mean, we cannot, should understand that Krishna has arranged, yes, Krishna has arranged that George Harrison was there. Uh, that he just took birth at the right time, that he was there in the right place and that he was there to connect with Prabhupada and that through him this movement went forward. So this whole Bhaktivedanta manner is very much coming by a divine arrangement. Well, somehow or other we got this incredible place and that in the UK which naturally had traditionally such a connection with India and Indian culture and had a large Indian community which uh, immediately brought an enormous support base to the manor and so on. And, and we see that, you know, the younger generation is taking up Krishna consciousness mm. and so on more and more. Um, so, so uh, the opportunity 
to make it very big is there in the manor. You can do that very quickly because you have an enormous launching pad here. So that's what you're meant to be. So the manor cannot be mediocre. The manor is not meant for mediocre. Whatever you do, but it's book distribution. It's not, you know, and the manor distributed 7,000 books in the marathon. Forget it. You know, even 70,000 only, right? What about the 200,000 yeah, that you did a few years ago? You know, I mean, like that. The manner is not meant for being mediocre. Right? But that also means that it's not meant for people who just sort of are here. You know, it's meant that there has to be quality. You get quality association, right? So many senior devotees come through here that you never see in, in other corners you know, of Europe. Here everybody comes through. Here you have many senior residents, so you have a lot of opportunity. So harness that opportunity and then do something big because that's what the manor is supposed to do. That's my view. Would you like to comment? I don't know, if you wish. Otherwise, another question also. You, the next question can be for Chandra Moli Maharaj. Well, what you said is what you told us, eh? Don't you? There you go. He said that to us devotees in the US, he said, you're from America. Think you guys think big, so do something big for Krishna. And Prabhupada pushed it, and they did. That's where Krishna got So yeah, the Prabhupada's still here pushing this. He's not simply, you know, a, a deity who we, you know, every day. It's actually personally there, inspiring us directing us, guiding us, and acting through his devotees to uh, give us the, the knowledge and the direction we need. So, yeah. Because if you think big, and you do something big, everyone will say, wow, that was great. And if you think big and you don't make it, everyone will say, well, it could have been done any more better. You know, it was really too big. So you can't lose. Even if you fail, you won't fail because your consciousness is guaranteed. As long as we pursue the instructions of the spiritual master in a determined way, there will always be the results. Yes, so it's important. And this place is, really like Mara said, it's a hotbed of spiritual energy. But a lot of it's dormant. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it is dormant. <laughs> did you hear that? Or did you sleep through that? Some of the opulence away to help us become more serious. 
But anyway, yeah, there is a lot. You have that shakti, of the genes of good karma that is manifested, and you have the intelligence of, um, you know, a developed Western civilization. <laughs> Combine those two, you've got really some power here. Shama Sundar came here a couple of years ago. He was saying the same thing. Come on, quit retiring. Get out of your retirement. Get back in action again. <laughs> he was talking about the devotees who were in front of the Singha, who had done so much, but now they were just kind of like drifting into retirement, taking it easy. So, yeah. But, he, you know. Prabhupada said personally about himself, I want to die on the battlefield. <laughs> Otherwise, I want to die trying to get Krishna consciousness out there. It's nothing like it's too old. We've done enough. Or we, you know, it's always, it's always you know, fresh. The Yadamanda Yoga, Krishna consciousness is always fresh. Well, traditionally in the Vedic culture, right, um, for people who were engaged in, in in work in practical, what we call practical work, working with the material energy, and uh, every evening there would be lectures, there would be um, discussions, like in, in you read. Uh, you know, like, okay, there was the city of Kazi, right? Which was dis destroyed because in the Krishna book, the king of Kazi had uh, a connection with Pondraka, the false incarnation of Krishna, who put two fake arms and Krishna ultimately took care of Pondraka's head and a few other things. Um, he also took care of this king of Kazi. And then the Sudras and Chakra destroyed Kazi. Now, if you read what, what Kazi Varanasi was like, it said there, there were 30,000 lecture platforms in the city. So just imagine that. Lecture platforms everywhere. And, you know, not just dry Upanishads, but, you know, uh, Itihas, right? Mahabharat, you know, uh, pastimes, right? Ramayana. In this way, the people would be become very captured. Uh, and we see that in modern times that that went to, uh, you know, to TV, right? To the Ramanan sagars, Ramayan, 
you know, was the modern version of it. But that was huge. You know, I happened to be in India when that was really getting big. And it was so big that when the Ramayan was on, on TV, then Parliament would cancel their sessions. <laughs> People were on a train, they would pull the emergency brake and just walk into any village and find a TV to watch. In the temple we were also watching <laughs> the Ramayan. And in some villages, if the electricity dared to go out during the Ramayan, the villagers would burn down the electric power <laughs> supply, you know. Um, so that was the modern version of, of an ancient culture. That they, they, for those who are not studying, there should be hearing, ample of hearing. So then the ones who are studying can teach and present. Yes. Uh, you know, sometimes if you just present dramatically, you know, like uh, I have my melody, right? And once upon a time, <laughs> there was a great king who was ruling the earth. But then, uh, you know, royalty doesn't satisfy the heart. Our king went to the forest. The king became a sage. And our sage was sitting on the bank of the river. One day, suddenly, a roar, a tiger! In the forest. Deer, a doe, a doe, a female deer, <laughs> running, running across, and just jumping right over the stream with the sage. And then this little deer, dear foal, fell from the mother deer into the water. Mother died of heart attack. Poor little. <laughs> and the little deer, the sage, grabbed the little deer by its ears, pulled it out of the water, and next he had a little deer one. And the rest of the story, you can guess. <laughs> so, there are so many ways right, to present in a way that, that people will swallow it. And oh my dear educators, you just combine the music wing with the storytelling wing from the bhakti school and you know, there you go. And in ancient India it's been like that. You know, on Shivratri you see someone coming. I saw a Shiva sitting on a mountain of ice and ice is steaming and there he sits. Now that's like, wow. That's not just, okay, Chief Ratri. This, this is like, whoa, it's Chief Ratri. Dramatic performances. We are in the UK, after all. And, you know, I mean, everything. <laughs> it is by nature 
a very dramatic culture. <laughs> it just comes completely natural. <laughs> so, absorb the Bhaktivedanta players in the whole thing, and it's going to be packed, packed house. And all those working people, they will learn also. Experiential learning. There you go. So yeah, the school of bhakti has to grow up and somehow or other engage people according to their natures. If you make just stereotype courses right, and everyone has to sit in a school bench and fold his arms, right? then you may find that not everyone will sign up. <laughs> like cases like me wouldn't sign up. But we can, you can book us as teachers, but I would never become a student. <laughs> so, I guess we have to reach and find different formats to make it attractive and relevant. The time has passed because at 9 o'clock the RT begins and I was going to escape before because I'm running out of steam. So with your permission I'm going to sort of retire for the night, as they say, in proper and prim English, which I'm trying to learn. <laughs> and, um, but I thank you all so much and I thank you for your questions. I thank Maharaj for, for being here uh, very much. And I was, I'm very happy to see Maharaj after, yeah, it's been a while. In Slovenia, we met last, I think so, yeah. Or in America now. Was it in New York? Or in New York we met last. No? Slovenia. Slovenia. Hmm? He says New York. <laughs> The initiation of Jayarati. Second initiation of Jayarati. Huh? Yes. <laughs> this man has a memory. We can't compare this. <laughs> anyway, whatever it was, I met Maharaj a long time ago. So let us all thank Maharaj for being here and let us all stand up and greet Sisirada Gokulananda. And someone with a sweet or powerful voice can lead a beautiful kirtan. And thank you so much. Thank you.